Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to NJS Bay's Blog Talk Radio program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a program dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on important education issues of the day, a conversation that brings those state leaders and educational leaders to you. Uh, And I hope you feel free to join in on the conversation. My name is Ray Penny. I'll be your host for this morning. Today, we will not only be taking your calls, but we will also have our chat room open, which gives you two ways to try to participate. Jennifer will be monitor, uh, monitoring the, the switchboard if you have a call. To call in, you dial 1-347-989-8904, 1-347-989-8904. And when you are ready to make a comment or ask a question, just press 1, and that will indicate on our switchboard that you're ready to ask a question. And Jennifer will get your uh, name and uh, your question. If you're uh, listening on the computer... Uh, I ask uh, that you t- uh, that you log in with uh, Blog Talk Radio if you want to join the chat room. Uh, today, I'm very interested in today's topic. Uh, school has started, and when the child comes home from their first day of school or any day of school, one of the first things a parent asks their son or daughter, uh, the first question is, how was your day? And they usually don't get much of a question, uh, much of an answer. But the quick follow-up as a parent is, do you have any homework? And I know as a parent, I used to ask that question myself, and uh, if I'm honest, I will say my uh, – I wasn't always altruistic in the reason I asked that. Because if they had no homework, then I had an easy night at home. If they did have homework, then sometimes it could be a battle. Um, but homework is assigned in almost every classroom in, in the in New Jer- across New Jersey and the nation, and while it's a tradition in every school, it's something that we don't really talk about, and that's what we're going to be doing today uh, with us. Uh, we have uh, three administrators from the District of Freehold Township uh, in Monmouth County. First is the superintendent, Dr. Ross Kaysen. Uh Ross, welcome. Uh, good morning. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Okay, uh, and then we have, uh, and I hope I pronounced his name right, uh, Dr. Jeff Yuganin. Uh, from uh, he's the principal in the Joseph Katina Elementary School. Welcome. Good morning, Ray. Thanks for having us today. And then I have uh, Edward uh, Alderelli from he's the principal of the West Freehold uh, Elementary School. Welcome. Good morning, Ray. How are you? Excited to be here. Yeah, I am too. Okay, uh, Ross, I'll start with you since uh, I got to this by reading one of the articles that you put out. Uh, just give us an overview uh, of how you, you started as a teacher in education and how your views of homework kind of evolved? Sure, it's my pleasure. Uh, I'm currently the superintendent of Freehold Township. I'm in my fifth year. Uh, Prior to that, I was a superintendent in Colts Neck, and prior to that, I was an assistant superintendent of curriculum and instruction in Summit, New Jersey. And as many educational administrators, I began my teaching career, uh, or my educational career in teaching. And, um, you know, in my undergraduate and graduate work, I quickly um, now reflecting upon it, never um, had any classes, never discussed or had any trainings about homework. It was really something that uh, when I began the teaching career, I felt that I was obligated to give it, didn't give much thought about that I was to assign it and students were to do it out of compliance. Um, as I began to learn more and learn more about brain research, my classroom practices did improve. I still don't think they were very effective 
But once I moved to administration and I really realized that my responsibility was to make sure that learning happened in all classrooms, that we were consistent, I realized that most teachers had no real thought into their homework. They, too, were just giving it out of compliance or out of tradition and hadn't thought much about how they could do it in a way that would actually improve teaching and learning. And that's when I really got interested in and realized that I think if it's done right, it can have a profound impact on the classroom and the students. Uh, before I move on to another question, uh, you say the word homework, and there's a connotation to the word homework. Uh, uh, Jeff or um, Ed, would you want to comment on what the connotation of homework is? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it, you know, in, in most households, it, it has, unfortunately, a, a negative connotation in that it's it's something um, that is that's not very well received by by parents and, and students in certain cases. So I think that 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 the term homework itself can kind of be transformed into into something a little bit more meaningful to really kind of match what we're doing, uh, you know, during the school day so that it has a positive impact, um, much like some of the activities that we do within the classroom in, in, our, in our specific subjects. And like when a teacher at the end of the class says there's no homework, there's always a cheer that goes up in the classroom, I guess because they're not being punished? Yeah, right, because it's, it's, it seemed... It's that's exact. That's 100% correct. In that, you know, you, you know, I have two boys too, and the the excitement on their face when they come home from school on a Friday when they've got no homework, or if the teacher surprises them on a Tuesday, it's you know, it's 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 a it's a great reward, and and I think we need to change that that mindset and that philosophy to to embrace the aspect and really extend learning beyond the beyond the walls of the classroom so that it does happen at home. We have our teachers really trying to use the word home learning. Um, because I think if you use that word as an educator or even a parent or a student, it changes that negative connotation and does make it an extension of, of the school day. And I think if you use those words of home learning, those activities as worksheets and busy work um, really have nothing to do with learning and they don't foster learning. So those activities quickly, I uh, hopefully, go out the window. I think the other piece uh, too, Ray... Is that mm -hmm. when, when they when they when they hear the word homework or the term homework, they associate it with maybe some of the battles that they're having uh, between parent and uh, and child at the uh, you know at the dining room table or at a desk over um, some of the assignments or activities that are being done. Because if a student's struggling with them, you know, mom and dad certain you know in certain cases might struggle also to assist them because they're not privy to how the information was delivered during the during the school day. Um, uh, and and I think that. The, the methods that we kind of talk about and describe and the way that we'd like to really transform form homework will, will greatly assist in that process. And, Ray, I, I would just add on to what Ross and Ed shared and kind of close out that thought by saying, you know, we believe there is a place for homework. We believe that if effectively assigned, it can impact student learning. So we always talk to our audiences, teachers, parents, whoever comes to share uh, or learn from our knowledge, that there is a place for homework. We just want it to be better designed and more effective in its purpose. Uh, Ross, uh, when I read your article, I was taking—you know—you were a relatively new superintendent, and you were—you got calls from parents about placement of their child, and that's where you kind of did some exploration. Uh, and homework was at the root of some of this. Could you uh, elaborate a little bit on that story? Sure. And, you know, in my experiences in many different school districts, and from my own children, um, homework often has a significant role or um, balance 
or weight on a student's final grade. And a grade is really supposed to be about what a student is, knows and is able to do, not what they produce or not the pass along the way. It's, they shouldn't be graded on their practice. So often grades are inflated or deflated because students do a lot of homework or don't do any. And that is really a poor practice because it gives an inaccurate measure of what the student really knows and can be able to do. So if a student doesn't do any homework and gets A's or hundreds on all the tests, their grades should not be impacted by the lack of doing compliant work because that doesn't show learning. And likewise, some students' grades are inflated because they've done all this homework and it really doesn't show that they have truly learned the material. And there's also a problem of the haves and have-nots where parents are helping at home, so my grade is influenced by what my parents can do. And again, that's really a poor teaching method and gives a lot of inaccurate information, not only to students, to parents, but also the teacher. So in, in essence, if someone could have a, an A in a, a math class, say, uh, but not really have mastered uh, what they should have mastered for that grade level, but only because they, they were very good at the homework, or they at least did and that the homework. Happened yeah, and that really happens a lot. There's a lot of students across the country where their grades are influenced and they're, get influenced and they're getting Bs, C-pluses on tests, but because they're doing all this work at home, their grade is inflated to sometimes an A. And, and what we have told people, and I truly believe, I don't want my students' grades influenced or, or enhanced because they did all this work. I want them enhanced because they have learned the material. So if we design the homework correctly, then it should then impact on the student's grade where it counts in the learning. We, we work to help our teachers understand that impact because our approach is that homework is formative in nature, that it helps students by giving them feedback so that they can grow and learn. What it has typically been known as is a summative piece where it's connected to a high-stakes grade environment. And in our specific situation, we are a K-8 district and our students graduate and go and become part of a much larger regional high school district. And in that setting, they have some phenomenal opportunities with these specific learning academies. And the thought that a homework assignment is being counted as a mul multiple test grade or as a quiz grade or as an assessment that's a part of a grade influencing, either inflating it or deflating it, and maybe affecting their future opportunities is something we want our staff to avoid. And in every conversation we've had, when we bring that picture and paint that story in, we see sort of that aha moment for our teachers in adjusting their practice. And I think the piece, too, with that is, is once they've kind of em embraced that philosophy, we can then have a conversation as to what those meaningful homework assignments look like and that practical application within the classroom so that it, so that it matches what we're doing in school um, to what they should be doing at home. All right, so you went – I'm going to stick on one. You, you talked about compliance issue, and what I've heard from – uh, parents and teachers uh, is that sometimes homework teaches students time management skills and responsibility. Uh, is that uh, you know that's a, a workplace skill? They have to have to do work that they don't like or they don't understand, but just because they have to. Um, but is that something that you're you guys agree with? It's it's not something that I agree with, and I think the research backs that you know those students that do their homework will do their homework regardless of the weight of the grade. And those that don't, won't do it unless they find meaning to it and find a reason to do it. Um, I really, and we talk to our staff, and I think they agree after thinking about it, 
you don't teach compliance with a carrot and a stick or out of fear. And when you start putting lots of grades on it and penalties for not doing it, um, again, I don't think that teaches time management um, or responsibility. I think that if you give kids meaningful tasks and they see the reason to accomplish it and they know that when they accomplish it, it helps them learn and grow as a student, that teaches responsibility because then it becomes intrinsic and not something with a carrot and a stick over their head. You look at, too, the purpose when we're assigning homework, the purpose of homework is the objective behind the skill or that particular content, right? So if you're assigning some type of mathematic content, it's, it's based against the standard or something within the curriculum, an, an objective. It's more important for the student to understand what the objective of that assignment is as opposed to the fact that it's due tomorrow based on, based on a compliance factor, that they're going to get a check plus or a zero or a hundred if, it, if it's due. It's got to be based on learning, and, that, and that's more of a philosophical shift is what we, we kind of really are, are promoting here, is that we have to embrace the purpose of homework as, as an extension of learning beyond the school day. Right. And now, it makes sense, but I'm sure when you went through this process of examining the homework, uh, actually, was there anything in that process that, that you learned that we haven't discussed yet? Because you saw that it affected some grades. Was there anything else that you saw when you examined the homework uh, in your I district? Think, I think one of the things that we really re recognized, and teachers recognize it, no matter if we talk to them in our district or some other districts that we've begun to work with, um, if you ask them if their classroom practices have changed over the last five years, most teachers say yes. It's much more student-centered, technology-infused, collaborative. But if you ask if their homework practices have changed, most teachers, when they take a deep look, they say they have not. I've been doing what I've been doing and very traditional, and I don't have kids at home doing collaborative projects and thinking and really asking questions, which we want our kids to be doing. So to make this shift with our staff, we really said, let's think about the best practices that we have in our classrooms, what we know about brain research and moving things into short-term to long-term memory, and make sure that we're doing that at home, too. So I think that was an easy shift for our staff saying, we've done all this work to improve our classrooms, we need to improve it for the time after school too. And I think one of the other pieces that we're learning is it's so entrenched in tradition and what we know and what we experienced as students ourselves that the next part of the process will be really to raise the level of the knowledge of our parent community. So our students have come right on board because they see that we're now connecting assignments and they're more relevant and meaningful for them. The teachers have come on board because We've helped them understand from a different perspective how they need to adjust and change and why. And now we start on those conversations over the course of this whole school year to really inform our parent community and say that what worked 20 years ago while you were a student in school may not be effective anymore. And I oftentimes compare the work we do as educators to the medical model. And if we think of a surgeon in their practice 20 years ago and what they're capable of doing now, Clearly, there have been changes, and, and this one tool of, of education professionals, that being homework, has not changed, and, and it needs to. It needs to be brought current with what we know about how students learn. I would be interested. I, I, when you, As an administration, you kind of saw that. I, I assume you probably saw that uh, the homework practices of teachers varied from classroom to classroom. Is that true? Because some might give a lot and wait a lot. Some may not give a whole lot, and... Was that true that it was kind of uh, not standardized within the classrooms? 
Yes, and I've found that in every district I've been in, and speaking to my colleagues that are superintendents, you often find that teachers are basing their homework on gut instinct. Some teachers think that it's, you know, a very important tool that does teach time management where others don't. You go to back-to-school nights, and I go to my own daughter's back-to-school nights, and you have one teacher saying, yes, I, I give homework every night religiously 30 minutes, and then you have the next teacher uh, say, I don't give any because I don't believe in it. And again, as an administrator, your goal is to ensure, number one, learning, but consistency across the school. So that's really why I think we, we, we jumped into this. And we also had our school board um, really involved and in, in, in supporting the process, saying, yes, we really want you to create a consistency approach to every elementary student, every middle school student in your district. Uh, now, uh, you'll have to tell me, um, when you went to the, the staff uh, and started discussing homework, uh, I have two questions. One, uh, was this the first time anyone ever discussed homework with their homework practices with them as from the administrative point of view for the most part? I would say yes, and we, we have made a presentation when we began this to every faculty at our school, and I think the first question where I ask after what is the first word that pops into your head when we say homework is how many of you had been trained in homework, how many of you had a workshop, a class, an undergraduate course, and most of them, um, hands do not go up. And then you even talk about it as colleagues, how many of you talk about it at a grade level meeting or a team meeting, and yes, they talk about their practices within the walls of their classrooms. But it's something that, again, I think was traditional and people just didn't talk about and felt that they had to give out of compliance. We, we also started the process in, in multiple schools throughout the district with, with, with not addressing it as, as homework per se, but we really um, experimented and, and rolled out um, more of a flipped model of instruction, which, which really kind of segued nicely into this conversation with regards of homework, where teachers were either developing their own videos um, or, or researching ones and, and, and putting it out there about content that students would learn about the next day, right, so that the mini lesson would be done at home. So students would watch anywhere between a six-minute to a nine-minute video about any particular topic um, and then come into school with a little bit of background knowledge so that it, it really freed up some of that classroom time. So that the, the, the flipped model and the blended model of instruction really segued perfectly into this conversation of homework because we were able to present to teachers, listen, this is a practice that you're already doing. Here's the research behind it. Here's some other strategies that you can utilize to really enhance it and take it to the next level. That's interesting. Uh, well, you actually answered my other question was how many of them had training uh, on homework? Uh, now, you, you, you examine this. Uh, did you have to look at your grading policy? And uh, you created a homework policy, I, I assume, of some sort. Did you have to look at your grading policy as it related to a homework? We did. And just like the amount of homework, the amount and weight that teachers were putting on it varied drastically depending on person's own thoughts and, and opinions. So we made a, a district-wide policy supported by the Board of Education that homework would only be 5% of a grade. Um, and I think Jeff can probably talk a little bit more. A lot of research is based on that 5%, and we really took it on best practices. But uh, I know in our presentation he talks about why we chose that 5%. Sure. When we, when we started the conversation, we wanted to keep an open mind and, and consider all perspectives. So when we went out and really looked across available resources, we found from experts in the field, someone like Rick Wormley, who advertised and kind of advocated for 5% of the grade being the most that homework could count for so that it wouldn't be detrimental, it wouldn't be something that a student couldn't recover from. 
if they were having struggles with homework. We also checked with groups like the National Parent Teacher Association and the National Education Association, large, uh, huge membership kind of groups and what they uh, advocated for. And generally speaking, what we find is they're all proponents of no more than uh, 20 minutes of homework per night, per grade level. And that sort of makes sense as you think of students progressing across the grade levels and their ability to handle and work with more complex material and spend more time attentively completing assignments. So that here again, we assert there is a place for homework and it, and it has a clear and, and effective purpose if designed and given to the students with thoughtful consideration. And as you get up into those upper middle school and high school grades, students can be expected to spend more time on their assignments within reason and, and as long as there is that clear purpose attached to it. Uh, I would imagine uh, if, if I've been teaching for, say, 12, 13 years and I had I believed in homework as a strong part of the grade and was there some uh, difficult discussions that had to go on and uh, with some staff members at least um, who have been who are big proponents of homework? I think as with any change, there are some things, again, and it's so traditional. For some, it's like religion and politics with homework. So I think for some, we really had to go back and talk about classroom practices and how they've changed, support with research, really talk about grading and the purpose of grading. And then at the end, you know, the board supported the policy and we put the policy in place so the teachers really, you know, even those ones that, that didn't fully agree, um, move forward. And I think now we're into it two years later. I don't think that there's anybody that says what we have done has been detrimental to our system and, and, and harmful to kids. On the other hand, it's, it's been great. I think one of the biggest things we got the pushback on is we eliminated giving kids zeros because, again, I think if you allow a kid to have a zero and not do the work, you have allowed them not to learn. You've allowed them to skip what they were supposed to do to learn. So basically, we ensure that all kids do their work and make it up if they have missed it. And the lowest grade they can get for an incomplete assignment is a 50, because mathematically on a 100% scale, which is a whole other conversation that we can have with you, Ray, is a, a mathematical flaw that inaccurately punishes kids for not doing work. If you limit it to 5%, did you get uh, any pushback from either parents and or teachers that uh, if you reduce the grade impact, uh, students won't do the homework, particularly in the, maybe the higher grades? We, we did. And so, again, we are a K-8 to district. So we found that in our elementary teaching population, we had more of a nervousness, more of a curiosity about this because it was a change and it was different. At the middle school level, we had a, a little bit more resistance, but we work in a district where uh, with a, an excellent staff that has a progressive mindset and open to change if they understand the reasoning behind it. So while they were resistant at first, they were open to learning more about it, and through those faculty meeting conversations, we were able to help them understand where we were coming from and why we were advocating that it was in the best interest of the students to do so. And if they had connected their assignments meaningfully to the work that was going on in the class, maximize the tech, tech resources that we have here in our district, and we're thankful for those, that students will naturally participate and buy in. And by, by and large, we have found that to be the case. And, you know, Ray, I, I think this is a, is a clear example. One of the points we like to make is that homework is, is a topic that affects every member of a school community. And so just in Dr. Kaysen's response and your question, you can see 
from student all the way up through and including district level administrators and Board of Education members. Everyone is involved and a part of moving this forward in a way that is more meaningful and effective for the students. We, we had to start with a policy change. We had to say that this is an expectation now and we followed up with here is the reasoning behind it and, and why we're asking you professionally to make this adjustment in your practice, whether it's been as a member of the staff for more than 20 years in district or you are a new teacher just joining the district, the reasoning uh, applies and, and makes sense to them regardless of their experience. I think the other piece too is that once, once teachers understood that, that the, home, the process of homework itself is used as formative assessment, it's used to drive instruction to identify what a student's areas of strengths and weaknesses are and, and plan accordingly for the next day. And I think that once, once we had that conversation with them and said so you're utilizing this as a, at a, as a data point to, to develop groups, to target uh, specific students and skills, they, they kind of embraced the, 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 uh, not only the policy changes but the whole, the whole type of mindset with regards to homework practices and home learning. And I think, Ray, the most important piece is because the students know the objective of the homework and see how it's connected to learning, and even though that we've reduced no zeros and reduced it to only 5%, more of our middle school kids are doing homework and the quality's better because the students see the meaningfulness in it and see how it will help them as learners. So even though there was some fear in the beginning, our teachers have found because our homework is more meaningful and there's an objective and they know how it's going to be used more priming the brain, that the homework completion rate and quality rate has gone up in our district. Well, um, we're speaking with uh, about homework with uh, three administrators from the Freehold Township School District, uh, Dr. Ross Kaysen, Dr. Jeffrey Yuganin, um, and Edward Alderelli. Uh, I just want to do a, a little follow-up on that because you've been saying this uh, – several times making the homework meaningful, like tying it as part as just an extension of the classroom uh, lesson plan. Did you find, because um, I will say this as a parent, uh, sometimes my child did not see the meaning in homework, why he was doing it. He was just doing it out of compliance. Um, so th and to me, I had a hard time motivating him to do homework when he does not see the meaning in it or the connection to learning. Um, is that something that... Uh, and it created actually a negative attitude towards school sometimes. Uh, so was that one of the things that you tried? It seems like you did try to eliminate is making sure that homework is always meaningful because sometimes if, if we don't think about it, it's not meaningful. One of the things that we do in, in, our, in our discussions with teachers and administrators is we give them some kind of guidelines to go by when, when assigning homework. And, and one of the first things that we do is we say, listen, before giving any assignment, ask yourself these following questions. And one of the first questions we tell teachers to do is, do students understand the purpose of the activity that they're assigning? And there's, there's multiple ways in which you can communicate this. One of the easiest ways is to simply either write it down on top of the paper, right, in the older grades, or you can communicate this like we talked about through, through flipped instruction and videos mm -hmm. where you're really presenting the content in the manner in which it would be presented in class. And, and as we know, the uh, all, all the hallmarks of, of great instructional practices is a clearly stated objective. We refer to it at the beginning of the lesson. In most classrooms, you'll be able to see it written on the board. Uh, we refer to it periodically throughout the lesson. We also, uh, at the close of lesson, we want to make sure students are able to um, 
identify the purpose of what they've just learned. And we need to make sure that that's done at home as well, too, and, and connected to the broader curriculum. And, and, and there's multiple ways to do that. And, and I think one of the easiest is, is simply communicating that. Um, you know, like we, like we talked about at the top of the paper through a, through a flipped video, it can be done um, on a weekly, um, you know, scope and sequence chart, depending upon how you'd like to do that with your teachers. Multiple ways you can go about doing it. And I think our teachers found that it was somewhat liberating. If they couldn't come up with an objective for a homework assignment, to simply not give it because then it probably wasn't meaningful and it was busy work. And we talked about word searches and writing words three times a piece and drawing a picture of a character in a book and what that does to teach literacy or a further understanding of anything. So those practices, again, they don't happen in our classrooms. So... Um, because there was no objective to them. So those kinds of assignments have really left our practice and made, um, I think, more liberating for our teachers on what they assign. I, I um, agree. I, I would add on to that. We try to call to their consciousness for teachers the reason why they are giving the assignment, that it's no longer just an afterthought or a matter of fact that it happens every day, but that they are consciously thinking about what they need their students to do. And we've we've connected it, generally speaking, to two primary purposes for homework. And you know, the first being we want teachers to give assignments that help students remember and access the information they were asked to learn in class by their teacher and move it from their short-term memory toward, if not all the way to, long-term memory because that's really, at the end of the day, what we're striving for. We, we, we believe that if it's in long-term memory and they have the ability to access it and recall it, they've learned it. And so homework should serve that purpose, assignments given at home, should help them move it along, if not all the way to. And, you know, the, the other purpose we come back to is, and, and this one we need to be very cautious about, and we do a lot of training in PD with our teachers about, is pre-learning, introducing new information. And, and Ed had mentioned it earlier through the use of flipped instruction and, and videos and blended learning. We, we need to be careful with that, though, because we know that the brain is such a powerful instrument that the first time information is presented to students, that their short-term memory captures it. And so the difficulty and the concern there, Ray, is if they capture it incorrectly, then right. it, the work of the teacher becomes exponentially more difficult. So if, if they're consciously giving assignments for one of those two purposes, then they're going to be on the right track. If they are asking students to identify what that purpose is, as I shared previously, then they're going to be moving further along in terms of really making this an effective tool for, for learning. Uh, I was struck... Uh because we didn't really talk about it yet, uh, you limited the time uh, a students do homework with uh, by grade level. Uh, it increased with each grade. Um, was you know, particularly teachers are usually, particularly in the middle school uh, grades, there's more than one teacher. Uh, do they have to collaborate and say, okay, I have a science project now? Uh, can uh, the math teacher or the language arts teacher ease off? Did you? Did they? Were they forced to collaborate when they looked at their assignments? I, I think it's a really great forced collaboration where they can really talk about and talk about what they're assigning and why, and then their colleagues can really question and, and, and discuss where they should put the most time and energy to. So, um, yes, it does force collaboration, but I think it's a really good conversation that brings homework to the forefront. Um, and, and with those time limits, and we've really worked hard with this with our, with our teaching staff, you know, I think they're important because, as we know in the classroom, we're, we're restricted bell to bell. 
And kids at home don't have that bell. So teachers, and this is, this is a change in thought at home and for kids, teachers, and I'll just pick in, in, in a sixth grade math class, the teacher should say, go home and do 20 minutes. And when you're done with the 20 minutes of the meaningful task I have you doing, draw a line. So then if it takes Jeff 20 minutes to do two problems, but Eddie 20 minutes to do 10, I have that feedback as a teacher. Often we just say, go home and do this, and we don't take into account for how long it, or the struggles it may take somebody. And for somebody to sit on hours and maybe doing it wrong and have that fight at home with parents is actually very detrimental to the teaching and learning process. You know, well, some of the research that's out there, Ray, we looked at, and, and the piece of time is always one of the elements of the discussion. And a really extensive study took place at the University of Virginia, and they had access to more than 18,000 sophomores in high schools, uh, transcripts for, through an ongoing survey. And some of the information they collected was about how much time do you spend on homework and what was your final grade in your math and your science class. And they were looking to see if there was any correlation or connection to if you spend more time on homework, do you do better on your grades? If you spend less time, do you not perform successfully? And time and again, the research comes back to show us that time is not the determining factor for success. It, it, there were students who were spending more than two hours each night on homework and failing or, or still struggling academically, and there were, the opposite was true as well. Students who didn't need to do the homework were still able to successfully pass, and sometimes with an A. Um, so the, the, dis, the discussion about time is one that we ask our teachers to have an open mind about. It, it shouldn't be one of the predominant factors as to why kids are doing homework um, and if they're going to be successful. And when you establish the time it takes, are you saying it, say you say it should be 20 minutes to do these math problems? Uh, 20 minutes for the the most gifted student in the class, or 20 minutes for the the, the average student? How do you establish that as a teacher? And and that's the point Ross was was making is that for for a long time and and still occurring now in schools everywhere is that we don't consciously think that way. We we in our mind think this. I guess this will take, or I think this will take them 20 minutes without recognizing the varying levels of capability in the classroom in front of them. And that's why the concept of introducing time limits will uh, limit the, the difficulty or the struggle at home for those who are, are having that scenario play out across their dining room table, but it will also give the teacher information as to where they are and what they're able to complete in a 20-minute time frame. And as the year goes on, they're going to learn more about their students and they're going to adjust what the requirement is for those students in their class. And that, and that really goes back to the question of the objective and the purpose of the homework. Is the purpose, is it a stamina purpose? Is it to see how many you can do? Or is it still about a learning objective, their ability to communicate what they've understood, how they've understood it, and for that teacher to provide meaningful feedback on the work that they've completed at home? Hmm. Um, I, I want to uh, get to uh, one other point, and it just went out of my head for a second. Uh, but uh, with the the homework, uh, I just want to reiterate: we said there doesn't seem to be, uh, according to the studies that you look at, no connection between student achievement and how much time they spend on homework. Uh, did I hear that correctly? Yes. Correct. We looked at studies both domestically completed and those that were internationally based, and time and again it comes back that, um, you know, just that factor alone is not going to determine success for the student. We need to manage that factor. We need to be mindful of it in what we're requiring of students and families, really, because it is a family event, especially in the elementary grades. 
but it cannot be the only reason that we expect a student to be able to perform um, more successfully in school. We need to, to know where they are as a learner, what they're capable of, and in order to do that, you've got to um, look for that assignment to be turned in and the teacher to review it and determine for the future what can I now expect of this student based on what they've showed me they're capable of. And Ray, but we also assert that if homework was done correctly and it was more meaningful and more effective, that it would actually have an impact on teaching and learning. However, right now, still most homework in most districts is so traditional that it is not doing what it could be doing. I think, you know, if we could do a research study here, I think that we would find that our impact is greater than most. One, one of the directions we're headed in as a district, Ray, under Dr. Kaysen's leadership is to really become even more responsive to the needs of our student population across all grade levels. And so through uh, community and corporate pi partnerships and personalizing learning and working with groups like Education Elements to really uh, maximize technology resources so that the assignment and tracking and monitoring of homework on a daily basis doesn't overwhelm our staff. Because if you have a group of 25 learners in front of you, to individualize assignments for all 25 would be tedious yeah. and cumbersome, to say the least. We don't want that for our staff. We want them to maximize the resources we have available and platforms that exist that can intuitively adjust to what a student's capable of, still meeting their needs, still working within established guidelines and parameters, and still informing and, and helping them grow and learn more effectively. You know, you it was mentioned before that uh, homework's a, it's a family event sometimes. Uh, Parent, I mean, the students should be doing the homework, uh, and I would guess that on some projects, uh, parents may get a little overly involved in the project. How do you ensure that students are doing the homework? Because uh, I didn't want my son's grade to be affected by my ineffective knowledge of math, particularly in the middle school <laughs> years. <laughs> and I think you bring up a great point, and, and, and when I taught um, – science in sixth grade, I had some parents that brought in and sent in projects that would make uh, NASA proud. <laughs> so I think one, once you start taking some weight off of the grade, parents are more likely to let their students do it, especially knowing that it's a formative assessment. And if I get a parent's work in, I don't know where the student's at. So some of it is through parent education and back to school nights and understanding of the purpose. Um, some of it is just a change in those homework assignments, because if it is busy work, it's easy to give to a parent and let them do it. But most of our homework assignments are so personalized, as Jeff said, in, in the work that we're doing with, with some of our partners like Ed Elements, um, that parents would find it very challenging to do. However, and I think Eddie really talks about this in our presentations, if you really assign flipped homework, parents become strong partners and can actually learn along side by side with their children. Yeah, and that, that really goes to the point that Jeff brought up the other day is that by, by providing flipped instruction, you're, you're presenting material in the manner which you would do it in class. So, so students are taking that, that information and that skill and that content into short-term memory accurately and correctly. And, at the, and that the, 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 the additional benefit is that mom and dad also get to view this so that if they do need to support, they can do so in the same manner in which it's being presented in class. And I think one of the great pieces about flipped instruction or any video-based component is that if a student under, doesn't understand it the first time, they can watch it again. They can pause. Okay. They, can, they can go back to it. it. It's memorialized there. And one of the things that we, we've done here, which is, which is of great benefit, is that our teachers really work collaboratively 
and they have a bank of these slip videos, and they put them on their own teacher websites, and they work collaboratively with it so that it's not just individualized for one particular classroom. Another student in fourth grade could watch it. I mean, it, it really speaks volumes as to, um, you know, the work that's being done, um, you know, by our teachers. And a lot of times parents, parents have on board as partners. Yeah, and I was going to say, because a lot of times homework is the only learning they see or a test that comes back or a, yep. sometimes a long-term project. I just uh, For our audience, though, uh, could you just give a, a – use the term flipped classroom. We probably – you give a, a a definition of what a flipped classroom yeah. is. Yeah, so in its, in its simplest form, flipped instruction – is basically taking taking your lecture, to, for, for lack of a better word, taking your lecture, taking your mini lesson, taking that time which the teacher is explaining content and flipping it so that it's not done during the school day. It's actually done at home. So teachers can do it in multiple ways. They can develop their own videos. One of the things that we have here uh, is, is various software and hardware that allow teachers to either record themselves um, utilize a document camera, which will record, um, you know, any modeling or instruction that they do. Um, you know, the videos are anywhere between five and, and ten minutes. They're then placed on a website, and students' homework assignments are simply to watch this particular video. When you when you add uh, an assessment component, it actually marries the two um, concepts of flipped classroom and blended learning together because now. Uh, Students are able to just do a quick little assessment, maybe one or two questions. The teacher then the next day has instant data as to, number one, did the students understand that video from last night? And the ones that did, now I know that they can move on to more challenging content. And the ones that struggled with it, they can uh, perhaps work on some work that will remediate that piece. So I think that when we're talking about flipped instruction, it's basically the concept of taking content that you would normally deliver during the school day and flipping it so that it's given and delivered at home. So and then that frees up it to, to work in the classroom yeah. when the students get back as a coach and a mentor and to really group the students where they are at and where they need to go. It really maximizes teacher-to-pupil uh, time and interaction. It really provides more time for teachers to work with students because you've just freed up that 10 to 15-minute block where you would normally be delivering instruction but now it's already done at home, so now you can come in and immediately begin some meaningful group work or individualized or personalized work. Did your district so have that, to make sure, have any equipment or technology needs to, to make the flipped classroom work? At, at a minimum level, you know, we our teachers have uh, equipment available to them. Our teachers can, can complete this using a laptop, uh, using, uh, generally speaking, basic technology equipment, okay. not anything uh, elaborate or out yeah. of the scope of what would be considered normal for school districts. There are so many free programs that are out there on the Internet right now, which are, which are basically screen capture software. I mean, the only thing that you would need is a laptop that has Internet access and microphone capability, and you'd easily be able to do um, any number of the things that we've discussed just now. And yeah, right, just to it, kind of point out, it, we've, just in that example alone, we've changed the purpose of homework to, to lead off the lesson, to start the learning before the students even arrive at right. the classroom. It's clearly a very different approach than what has traditionally or typically been done over, over the longest time. But I can see from the student's perspective is it's given them a preview of what, of what they're going to learn tomorrow or the next day, whatever day it's going to be. So it's an Absolutely. extension of the classroom. 
and the, the meaningfulness and the relevance for the students just went you know, through the roof because they know that tomorrow when I arrive, this is what I'm going to be learning about and talking about. And so there's, there's tremendous upside and advantage to that. As I, as I mentioned previously in our talk today, just the one word of caution is we need to be absolutely certain that that information is being presented clearly, concisely, and correctly so that there's no confusion on the part of the students before they get to the classroom. And that's why technology captures that in a way that can be replayed again and again and empower partners to be parents to be our partners and, and set everyone up to be successful. All right, I only have like 40. Away. It captures the way our students learn. All right, I only have 40 seconds, so I just wanted to uh, say this was very informative for me. I hope a lot, I would encourage a lot of districts to, can they reach out to you? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'd like to thank uh, the three of you. Uh, Ed Alderelli, thank you. Thank uh, you. Jeff, thank you, Ray. Great. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate Jeff, the time. Jeff Uganin and uh, Dr. Ross Kaysen, uh from the Freehold Township School District. Uh, I think it's the first time I've ever discussed this work. And uh, I think it's a great way uh, uh, to get a district moving in, in the right direction. Thank you. Pleasure to spend time with you. Thank you, Ray. Thanks. Thanks.